Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Monday that feels like a holiday, but really isn't. Tomorrow, the 4th of July, but it is Monday, July 3rd. Let's get you the Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off here. It was rainy in spots overnight, and it is humid. Appropriate for this time of year. There's a lingering chance of showers throughout the morning and into the afternoon. Hot and humid later. We'll get up to 88 degrees in spots. Later tonight, more rain giving way to clouds. The low, 73. Tomorrow, July 4th, a chance of rain, partly sunny. Otherwise, 86 degrees where we'll top out. And then Wednesday, sunny, 90, the expected high. Meanwhile, parts of the country are dealing with severe weather, hazardous weather alerts for more than 100 million Americans going up during this holiday weekend, including over 100 million who were under extreme heat alerts and heavy rain flooded the streets in Chicago as well as areas of Kentucky this weekend. 73 degrees right now in midtown Manhattan, 71 degrees in Manalapan, New Jersey, and 72 out on Manhattan. Again, that's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So Noam Layden always kicks off the 5 a.m. news hour with a little recap, a little story, a little anecdote, if you will, and I've got one of those from this past weekend. My neighbor's kids were out with a lemonade stand on Saturday. Very cute. Got to go over there and support. They were doing it for charity, by the way, raising money so that they could help clean the oceans. And they were hawking that lemonade by saying, lemonade, lemonade. So on Friday, I was out in the city. My husband and I went to go see Indiana Jones, the new Indiana Jones on Friday. Maybe we can discuss that movie later today. But before that, we had a very nice dinner. It was also my birthday on Friday night, my 38th birthday. And thank you, Rich Radabali, as he uh, gives me a little hand. Thank you, Rich. And, uh, you know, some vendors were out hawking jewelry in Herald Square. So I thought about this with the lemonade stand where I saw these vendors hawking jewelry. And as I'm walking through Herald Square, I notice the woman notices me noticing her. And she's got a recording of her saying three for ten, three for ten with these little bracelets that she's selling. So she turned up the volume on the recording when she noticed that I was listening. I thought to myself, wow, you know, that's modern convenience, but I think I prefer the little kids actually saying lemonade, lemonade, as opposed to the recording of the three for ten. All right, let's get into our top five headlines here this morning. The top five at five. So a deadly shooting unfolded in Baltimore this weekend at a neighborhood block party. Two people killed including an 18-year-old female and a 20-year-old male. Cops say it looks like more than one gunman was involved. Both any suspects at this point remain at large. Nine people hospitalized, including two people who were listed in critical condition. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is planning to visit China this week. The Treasury Department made the announcement yesterday. Yellen is expected to discuss a number of financial issues with senior Chinese officials part of the Biden administration's efforts to improve relations between the world's two biggest economies. Former Vice President Mike Pence is agreeing with the U.S. support of Ukraine, but says President Biden has been acting too slowly. That was on CBS's Face the Nation this weekend, where Pence said the Biden administration has not delivered on weapons it promised months ago. And meanwhile, there's all kinds of fighting continuing to go on in Ukraine right now, uh, counteroffensive and Major offensive on both sides, Ukraine and Russia. And then there's also landmine removal efforts underway in Ukraine. Meanwhile, Pence just returned from Ukraine where he met with President Vladimir Zelensky. Quick sports headline here. Wimbledon, the major tennis tournament played on grass courts. That begins today in London. The strawberries and cream, the famous snack there. Carlos Alcaraz, the top seed in the men's draw, just ahead of four-time defending champion Novak Djokovic. It's the world's oldest and arguably most prestigious tournament. Venus Williams will be back on center court. Venus Williams, a five-time champion. She's the oldest of the two sisters. Serena retired last September. It has been 26 years since the elder Venus of those legendary Williams sisters first played at Wimbledon. Venus is 43 now, says she could even play until she's 50. And finally, we've got Indiana Jones back at the box office this weekend. The top 
of the box office in both the U.S. and Canada. Harrison Ford once again donned the fedora. He grabbed the whip as Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny opened this weekend with $60 million in ticket sales at North America's theaters. It marked the fifth and final film in the long-running adventure franchise, beating Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse at the box office, which made $11.5 bucks in its fifth week of release. But that said, for Indiana Jones, $60 million... And that's not really going to cut it because the budget was 250 to 300 million, one of the most expensive films ever made, let alone the most expensive Indiana Jones ever made. So 60 million not making a dent there. I did see it on Friday. I'd say better than the fourth Indiana Jones film. Kind of the first half of the film was just good Indiana Jones action. People are going to complain that a woman was the co-lead with Harrison Ford, just like they did with Star Wars, but that, that doesn't bother me. She was good. And not a bad movie. I would say they tried to do a little too much, really, with um, the second half of the film. It kind of gets all over the place, but that's all right. So those are our top five headlines as we get into it here on Monday, July 3rd, coming up on 5.07. Other news stories here behind our top five. You knew this was coming. After recent controversial decisions from the Supreme Court of the United States, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is blasting the Supreme Court. And, you know, that's not necessarily so surprising, considering that these decisions from the Supreme Court are of a more right-leaning variety, if you want to say that. There's kind of a conservative tilt to the Supreme Court these days. And so a member of the squad, like AOC, would not be so happy with some of these decisions. And it was yesterday on CNN's State of the Union when AOC made these comments. We must pass pass much more binding and stringent ethics guidelines where we see members of Cong- uh, where we see members of the of the Supreme Court potentially breaking the law, as we saw in the refusal, you know, with Clarence Thomas to recuse himself uh, from cases implicating his wife in in January sixth. Justice Clarence, Th- Clarence Thomas, a popular target for the left, and his wife Ginny Thomas, who's a conservative activist. So it is kind of a little bit awkward at times where you've got a guy like Clarence Thomas who is considered a more conservative judge, but he's supposed to be an impartial justice. His wife, Ginny Thomas, a conservative activist. And then Clarence Thomas, the justice, was also the subject of a piece in ProPublica recently claiming that he took inappropriate vacations with a friend of his who's a Republican donor. So that kind of stuff is kind of bubbling up right now. There was another report from uh, ProPublica that accused Justice Alito of taking a flight to Alaska and taking a trip to a a fishing uh, resort out there, and people are saying that's improper, that those kind of benefits need to be disclosed. Um, But again, we've got some big-time decisions that just came down the pike from the Supreme Court last week. A lot of this is centered on that. AOC continued here on CNN. There also must be impeachment on the table. We have a broad level of tools to deal with misconduct, overreach, and abuse of power. And the Supreme Court has not been receiving the adequate oversight necessary in order to preserve their own legitimacy. AOC also said if Chief Justice Roberts won't come before Congress for an investigation voluntarily, then she should consider subpoenas. Sounding like an originalist, maybe, about those Supreme Court decisions with this comment. We have justices saying the Supreme Court is going too far, and they're expanding their role into acting as if they're Congress itself. That's what AOC said. And the biggest decisions from last week, the ones we're alluding to here, are as follows. Affirmative action for college admissions, that's been struck down, a case that was tied to Harvard University and the University of North Carolina. Basically, what the Supreme Court said in a 6-3 decision is that colleges can't use race anymore when uh, judging people's applications for college. And a new poll shows that a slight majority of Americans actually do agree with that decision. The new ABC News Ipsos poll found 52% in favor of the decision, while 32% disapprove of the court's ruling. 13% were undecided. Pollsters say most white Americans believe that people of all racial backgrounds have an equal chance of being accepted by a college. Most black Americans and Latinos believe that's not the case. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the Supreme Court also had a big decision come down last week where it struck down President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Now, the student loan forgiveness plan would have allowed for up to 20000 in debt to be forgiven. And basically, that's for people who received Pell Grants, $10,000 for anyone else. But that plan's been struck down. And I will tell you this, my husband is very upset about this. He thinks it's very unfair 
that he's going to have to pay back his student loan debt. And I guess, you know, technically speaking, I should be on that side because I'm going to have to help contribute to that student loan debt as well. But I think it, it would have been unfair, really, for uh, everybody to have to be on the hook for just some people who did go to college, who borrowed money for it. And again, that's even though I would have benefited. So the Supreme Court struck down that student loan forgiveness plan. Um, they said that colleges and universities can no longer use race when evaluating admissions. And then this one, the Supreme Court's also ruling in favor of a Christian web designer who refuses to design websites for same-sex couples. The high court in a 6-3 to ruling said the Colorado web designer has a free speech right under the First Amendment to refuse to endorse messages she disagrees with. Kenji Yoshino is a professor of constitutional law at NYU. The harm is in the refusal and the lack of uh, respect for dignity in the public sphere when a business is opening itself to everyone but you, right, in calling itself a public accommodation. The ruling means she cannot be punished under Colorado's anti-discrimination law. I'm Michael Kastner. Yeah, so this is kind of similar to that case we had a few years back where there was a cake maker, a baker, who refused to make a cake for a gay couple, and that got, you know, all up into the legal aspects of it out there in Colorado as well, actually. And, you know, I've got a personal connection to this one, I guess. I just celebrated my wedding anniversary on June 25th, my husband and I. And we had a website, you know, a tie-the-knot website. Those are pretty generic. They don't ask about sexuality. But, I mean, i got to say, I don't think it's too hard to find a website maker these days. You know, and maybe that's different than a cake where you have to actually physically get it from a baker and you got to get to the to the where they're making that. And, you know, maybe if you're in a certain state and somebody says, oh, I won't make that cake for you because of X, Y and Z, perhaps that's a burden. But when it comes to the Web, I mean, we got plenty of New York City Web designers who don't care, you know, if it's a gay wedding or whatever. And I'm pretty sure you could find somebody. So anyway, the the Supreme Court basically said uh, it's OK if you don't want to make a, a website for a gay wedding, and that's because it's your free speech rights. Coming up on 514 here on 77 WABC, the 5 a.m. news hour, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. And let's check in on some local stories here. We're not talking about wildfire smoke today, so that's a good thing. Not so nice weather-wise. It is sticky. It's going to be really humid today, but we're not talking smoke. Subway surfing, that remains a local concern, however, this summer. Subway surfing, a big problem, and that's what we're going to talk about next as Eyewitness News is actually reporting that cops took a 12-year-old boy into custody over the weekend because he's been caught subway surfing four times. Now, chances are that 12-year-old and his family are not happy that he's under arrest, but it may save his life. And that's something we're going to talk about here next when it comes to that subway surfing phenomenon. But considering that it is a quarter past the hour, we're going to check in on sports here for a second. And according to ESPN, the Knicks are finalizing a trade for little-used forward Obi Toppin to go to those rival Indiana Pacers. Are they still a rival? I mean, they certainly were a rival 20, 30 years ago. But uh, the Knicks are going to get two future second-round picks for Obi Toppin, who is a local guy, by the way. I think he's from Tarrytown or somewhere up there in the Hudson Valley. 25-year-old was selected in the eighth overall spot in that 2020 NBA draft averaged 7.4 points and 2.8 rebounds per game and then there were some rumors that he and Tom Thibodeau got into it uh, during the Miami series so probably not that surprising that he's going to get moved and the trade can be made official on Thursday in baseball the Mets beat the Giants 8-4 to yesterday wow they actually won a series how about that Pete Alonso made the all-star team as a reserve he'll compete in the home run derby again the Yankees fell to the Cardinals 5-1. to Aaron Boone ejected for the fifth time this season. But uh, some good news, Carlos Rodon is working back from injury. He may be ready to make his first start of the season on Friday. Go to WABCSportsRadio.com for more on all these stories and more. How about this, including this, how Chicken Parm helped turn around Yankees shortstop Anthony Volpe's story. I helped write the lead for this one, Rich. I think you'll like this. Everybody loves Chicken Parm especially if you're an Italian kid from New Jersey, most definitely if your name is Anthony Volpe. But what does this have to do with his swing, his rookie season, and getting things back online? Well, you'll have to go to WABCSportsRadio.com for more. 
All right, so like we said, uh, subway surfing remains a big problem here. Uh, a 14-year-old boy died last Thursday in Queens after falling off a train. That was near Queens Plaza. Just one week earlier, another 14-year-old boy died while subway surfing in Brooklyn. That was in Bushwick. And, you know, the, the NYPD and the MDA continue to warn people about this dangerous stunt, but it's all about going viral, according to officials. And that's what we're going to talk about in just a second here. James Flippin here, filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. news hour. It is 5.18 a.m. on Monday, July 3rd. So, look, when it comes to subway surfing, it's all about going viral, according to officials. Mayor Adams says subway surfing has only become popular because the videos of it get so many views on almost every social media platform. TikTok, ban these videos immediately and take them down. On average, two people are now seen riding outside of trains every day in the city, and those are only the incidents that are reported. Noam Layden, WEBC News. We've seen this stuff with viral trends encouraging or basically fostering criminal behavior. Um, New York, New Jersey, Long Island, Westchester for short, they've seen these Kia and Hyundais being stolen via a method that's kind of coached on TikTok. It has to do with the fact that keyless entry can be manipulated with certain electronic signals. There's also the Kool-Aid Man Challenge, one I like to talk about because it's just so crazy, where these teenagers love to crash through wooden fences um, and and break through the fence like Kool-Aid Man would in those old commercials. That's a challenge that's going viral on TikTok, or at least was once upon a time. All kinds of weird challenges like this. Pass-out challenges, weird stuff with chemicals. It's all about going viral and becoming Internet famous. And when you're a little kid or a teenager, you don't think about this as much in terms of the long-term implications. So subway surfing is a New York City version that's sadly taking lives. Because kids uh, looking for something to do in the summertime, uh, always probably getting into trouble. But in this case, it's about sharing that stuff on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, TikTok, and trying to go viral. So here's Transit Chief Michael Kemper of the NYPD talking about that. These kids are not thinking about the tragic consequences that can happen, that do happen, unfortunately. All they're thinking about at the time is about clout and attention. Clout and attention. But, you know, that doesn't matter when you're sitting in an emergency room somewhere or, God forbid, a morgue. So... One of those things that New York City officials have to keep worrying about and trying to convince parents to talk to their kids about. Another thing that falls in that category are lithium-ion batteries. Really, it sort of rounds out the trifecta in terms of local problems. When you talk about wildfire smoke, subway surfing, lithium-ion batteries, these are kind of some big local points of consternation. You could have a summer PSA here in New York City about wildfire smoke, subway surfing, and lithium-ion batteries. Last Thursday, the FDNY pulled hundreds of these batteries from a shop on Canal Street. They actually caught on fire while being moved, these lithium-ion batteries, and they're considered very dangerous. A lot of the time, they're manipulated somehow, like maybe somebody fixed up an old one, or they might be a knockoff because they're from a cheap brand. And anytime you're charging, I mean, really, if you've ever used a... uh a laptop charger or a cell phone charger that's not the official brand, like it's not made by Apple or it's not made by Samsung or something like that, they tend to get hot. Knockoff chargers tend to get hot. And it's the same thing with lithium-ion batteries. They're a big risk while being charged. People tend to charge them overnight. They do it in common areas. Um, Sometimes they use uh, extension cords, and that's always dangerous. So last Thursday, like I said, FDNY was pulling hundreds of these batteries from a shop on Canal Street. Some of them caught on fire while being moved. Originally, it was a 311 call complaint that led officials to check this place out. And then the building's owner failed to show up to a court appearance. So FDNY officials sent some fire marshals over there. Here's FDNY Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh. She says the department's basically working on a list right now and going through one by one these locations that have concerns. Thankfully and gratefully, our members got to this location in time before the unthinkable happened. What is clear is that this location was essentially a ticking time bomb. If you are operating a business that is in any way improperly charging, storing, or tampering with lithium-ion batteries, we will find you, and we will fine you, and we will shut you down. This is a life and death situation. 
Uh, this was a business that was busted up, but there are apartments upstairs uh, on the second, third, and fourth floor, stuff like that. And why that's such a big concern, obviously, is fire spreading to those units. A fire at a Lower East Side bike shop last month killed four people that lived above the bike shop. And Kavanaugh says basically she's concerned about these residential buildings because their crews don't gain access to people's private homes when they're cracking down on businesses that might have batteries. And right now, officials, more or less, people want to, they, they want people to act like a whistleblower. If you see these, you know, four, five, six bikes in your building's lobby being charged, or if you know of a garage somewhere where there's like 20 or 25, you know, chained up somewhere and getting, and getting charged, especially with extension cords, they want you to call 311. And, you know, maybe you don't typically consider yourself the type of person that would make that phone call, but it's such a big fire risk. And there's already been a number of people killed this year alone in these fires. So we'll turn to some international news now. And it does sadly involve fires because they've been burning in France as a result of protests and chaos that's unfolded after a 17-year-old boy was killed in a police-involved shooting last week. Riots across France, according to reports there, are kind of settling down now. Uh, But they went off for at least three, four, five straight nights. And then last night, it was a quiet and solemn crowd of several hundred that gathered at a mosque in northwest Patterson. Or I should say that was on Saturday. And this 17-year-old who was killed, Nahel Merzouk, and basically, you know, he was he was sitting at the car. He was sitting behind the wheel. And it's kind of unclear what happened or, or what the run-up to this uh, arrest was. But cops wanted to talk to him. Cops tried to stop him. And he got shot while he was sitting at the wheel of a Mercedes. And it's been absolute chaos unfolding across the nation. I mean, riots, uh, fires, looting, a bank set on fire, you know, library set on fire, all kinds of stuff. And violence, violence against police. And it's all in response to this young man's death at the hands of police. But the young man's grandmother, Nadia, she spoke to Sky News and basically said, you know, all this is being done in vain. That, of course, she's devastated and heartbroken that her grandson died, but that she doesn't want to see this kind of stuff happening. The people who are pillaging, stop, stop. They're using Nile as a pretext. No, they must stop destroying the shops, the schools, the buses. The mothers take the buses. We take the buses. President Emmanuel Macron has denied that there's systemic racism in French law enforcement. He's also vowed that the case will be met with justice and that there will be a full investigation of what happened there. But, you know, really very similar to the George Floyd case in a lot of ways, just in the sense of how the country has responded, maybe some of that kind of long-standing and simmering resentment towards some of the police making its way out in the form of protest and um, not so much protest, but really destruction as well. And then back here at home, a federal judge has fined members of the Proud Boys, a right-wing group, They've been fined over $1 million for vandalizing a black church. In a 34-page ruling, D.C. Superior Court Judge Neil Kravitz called the vandalism a hateful attack. Four members of the Proud Boys organization must pay $1.03 million to the Metropolitan African Methodist Episcopal Church. The church sued the Proud Boys after members set fire to a Black Lives Matter sign on the church's property in 2020. After failing to appear in court, Kravitz approved the default judgment against the defendants and the Proud Boys LLC. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. Getting closer to the bottom of the hour here, we do have some more international news to get into uh, before we get back home and cover some stuff going on in New York, going on in entertainment. Plenty of stuff still here to do this morning on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. news hour. This is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. And right now we're going to check in with Lori Blanchard again and see. uh, We're we're pretty confident that the roadways are going to remain quiet here this morning. But let's get our latest update from Lori. 
From the Ray Katina Porsche traffic desk, we're looking great at the Lincoln, Holland, and GWB. There's a problem on the Belt Parkway eastbound at Sunrise Highway. It's an overturned vehicle being cleared away. There is maintenance at the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel. One tube is closed and road work out on the LIE both ways at exit 62. Alternate side is in effect today. This traffic report sponsored by Ray Katina Porsche in Edison. Experience the unmistakable luxury of a 2023 Porsche Macan. Leased for $8.99 a month for $39 months at Ray Katina Porsche in Edison. $8.99 due at signing to qualified buyers. Tax, licensing, registration fees, extra details at RayKatinaPorsche.com. I'm Lori Blanchard on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thank you, Lori. WABC time check 528. So earlier we told you that former Vice President Mike Pence talked Ukraine this weekend. Is he siding with another former VP? Is he siding with current President Joe Biden? In a rare moment of agreement, Pence actually thinks the U.S. should be helping Ukraine, same as President Biden. It's absolutely essential that the United States continue to provide military support to the Ukrainian military. But Pence thinks Biden is acting too slow. They promised 33 Abrams tanks back in January. Now they're telling them it'll be mm-hmm. September at the earliest. That was Pence on CBS Face the Nation on Sunday. Pence just returned from Ukraine where he met with President Vladimir Zelensky. He added Russia has gone from being the second most powerful military in the world to being the second most powerful military in Ukraine. For 77 WABC News, I'm Yao Bonsu. And in terms of the Biden administration's schedule this week, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, she's planning to visit China. The Treasury Department made the announcement Sunday, saying Yellen is expected to discuss a number of financial issues with senior Chinese officials. It's part of the Biden administration's efforts to improve relations between the two world's biggest economies. Her three-day trip comes after Secretary of State Antony Blinken traveled to China last month to meet with President Xi, whom President Biden recently labeled as a dictator. Yellow is slated to visit Beijing on Thursday. I'm Mark Mayfield. Coming up on 530, this is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. news hour. When we come back, we've got some entertainment news to hit. We've got Spotify's latest project. We've also got local stories, including more of the big concerns for New York this summer. And an update on air travel after last week's chaos. We can only hope that it can improve. But it's not just about weather. We will also have our forecast when we come back. But right now, coming up on 530, it's 77 WABC News, 5 a.m. news hour. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noam Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noam on 77 WABC. Good morning. It's James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden here on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour, Monday, July 3rd. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast here. It was a rainy overnight, and it's going to be very humid today, sticky, humid, and hot. There's a lingering chance of showers throughout the morning and into the afternoon, hot and humid, getting up to 88 degrees in spots. Later tonight, more rain giving way to clouds, the low near 73. Tomorrow for July 4th, a chance of rain, partly sunny otherwise, 86 where we'll top out. And then Wednesday, sunny, getting up to 90 degrees. Meanwhile, parts of the country deal with severe weather here. Hazardous weather alerts are up for more than 100 million Americans during the extended holiday weekend. Many are under a heat advisory as well. Heavy rain flooded the streets of Chicago and Kentucky this weekend. And that is your weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Let's get into our top five headlines, shall we? 77 WABC Early News presents the Top 5. It was a deadly shooting that unfolded in Baltimore this weekend in a neighborhood block party. Two people killed, an 18-year-old woman and a 20-year-old man. Cops say it looks like more than one gunman was involved. Nine people hospitalized, including two in critical condition. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen plans to visit China this week. She'll discuss financial issues with senior Chinese officials. The Treasury Department says this is as the administration, the Biden administration, efforts to improve relations between the world's two biggest economies. As we just told you last half hour, former Vice President Mike Pence is agreeing with the U.S. support of Ukraine, but says President Biden's dragging his feet on CBS's Face the Nation. He accused the Biden administration of failing to deliver weapons it promised months ago. In sports, Wimbledon gets underway today on the grass courts in London. It's 
the most famous tournament in the world and probably the oldest that are that's still playing anyway. Carlos Alcaraz, the top seed in the men's draw. Meanwhile, Venus Williams will be back on center court, a five-time champion, the older of the two Williams sisters. Serena, you may recall, retired last September. It's been 26 years since Venus Williams first played at Wimbledon. She's 43 and says she could play until she's 50. How about this? Indiana Jones is back on top of the box office in the U.S. and Canada. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny opened to a $60 million weekend in the North American theaters. However, that's not really going to make a dent in its budget, which is somewhere between 250 and $300 million. I saw the film. I'd say it was okay. Definitely not a bad Indiana Jones, and probably better than the fourth one. So a sad note here as we move off our top five headlines, but it's worth noting as we just gave you the Ramsey Mazda weather forecast. The broadcast community is remembering WNBC meteorologist Dr. Frank Field. Dr. Field started his career at WNBC in New York in 1958 and was really the first professional meteorologist in the city. He died Saturday at 100 years old. He was a student at Brown University and MIT. He served as an Army Air Force meteorology officer during World War II in the European theater. His son, who you may know, Storm Field and daughter Allison Field, became TV broadcasters. Field's wife of 75 years passed away just months ago. He leaves behind three children, seven grandchildren, and six great-grandchildren. Got to 100. God bless. So one of the top stories from this weekend, we told you about it here uh, at the top as we teased some of the stuff we're going to talk about. A mass shooting in a Baltimore neighborhood left two people dead, and more than one gunman maybe at large. At a block party in the Brooklyn Homes neighborhood, says Acting Police Commissioner Richard Worley. Our detectives are currently working an extensive crime scene. An 18-year-old woman and a 20-year-old man were killed. Our hearts and prayers are going out to the families. Audio courtesy WMAR, Lakel Nelson says she heard the gunshots, saw people running. One girl, the one that was real shot several places. So she drove her to the hospital. She was screaming and it, it was hurting her so bad. I'm Julie Walker. Back in April, Baltimore police reported a 16% drop in violent crime citywide. That dates back to 2018, but the city still spends more per capita on cops than any other city and deals with upward of 300 murders per year. So this is kind of a continuing theme, unfortunately, for some of America's cities where no matter what side of the debate you're on, right, whether it's the need to fund police departments, which many people agree with, or some people who, you know, want to really push back or pull back on funding for police in some of the most crime-plagued areas, even when there's plenty of money spent on law enforcement, it doesn't seem to make a dent. It doesn't seem to make a change. And that's been seen in Chicago, for sure. Um, You know, New York, maybe you could argue that there's actually been more bang for your buck when it comes to some of the money that's been invested. But at any rate, shooting and shooting deaths for sure down in what's, you know, otherwise known as Charm City there in Baltimore continues to be a major problem. All right, we were talking about Baltimore and the two killed in a mass shooting over the weekend. Let's stay in the DMV for a second, and that's the Delaware, Maryland, Virginia region for the uninitiated. Fallout continues after the U.S. Supreme Court issued a pair of major decisions on Friday. Really, it's been a very busy past week for the Supreme Court. Demonstrators gathered on the National Mall today to protest the high court's ruling that struck down President Biden's student loan forgiveness program. The justices also ruled in favor of a Christian web designer who refuses to create websites for same-sex couples. President Biden quickly denounced the decisions and rolled out a new plan for student debt relief. I'm Julie Ryan. All right, so the student loan plan struck down. Affirmative action no longer permissible for use with colleges and universities and their admissions we've got controversies over websites and who can make what website for wedding couples and all that kind of stuff what's next for the supreme court well it turns out they are going to be moving on to new cases next up the supreme court takes up a case regarding the rights of an accused domestic abuser to own a gun the biden administration filed an appeal in defense of the law restricting abusers from owning guns A lower court ruled earlier this year that the law fails to pass constitutional muster. Meanwhile, the high court says the right to carry outside the home is provided by the Constitution. The Supreme Court will decide how valid each ruling really is. For 77 WABC News, I'm Yao Bonsu. 
WABC News Time 540. This is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. news hour. It looks like UPS may be able to avoid a strike, although the Teamsters Union says it is still on the table, which would, of course, mean chaos for the supply chain here in the U.S. The Teamsters say they're working to negotiate a new five-year contract with UPS that would include higher wages for all workers, more full-time jobs, an end to forced overtime, an elimination of a two-tier wage system, and protection from heat and other workplace hazards. Basically, what that refers to is where UPS does not typically have air conditioning on their trucks, which is not something I'd want to deal with this particular week, with it being so soupy and so humid. But UPS has now agreed to add air conditioning to delivery trucks. It sounds like the main sticking point in terms of finalizing a deal remain compensation, no surprise there, and benefits. So everybody hoping, at least from a supply chain perspective, that UPS can avoid that strike. It would be certainly one of the nation's biggest, if that were to go down, one of the biggest in history. All right, let's check some entertainment stories here this Monday morning. Maybe you guys had a chance to go out there this weekend and uh, check out a concert, check out a movie. We did tell you that Indiana Jones was the big one at the box office, pulling down $60 million, But that's not denting its $250 million budget, that's for sure. Rihanna is reaching a Spotify milestone, even though she doesn't have a new album out. The singer became the first female artist to have 10 songs reach a billion streams on Spotify. And in response, she took to Instagram saying, Bad Gal Billy, with no new album. And she added an emoji of a Barbados flag, which is where she's from. Her latest album, Anti, dropped in 2016. Last month, she earned the title of America's richest self-made musician, Rihanna beating out Beyonce, Madonna, and even Taylor Swift. By the way, Madonna, who we know, has had some health issues recently. She was in an ICU here in New York and then is apparently bedridden while she deals with a bacterial infection. She had to postpone her tour. Rihanna, who we're talking about, she came in 20th overall on Forbes' annual self-made list, which honored female entrepreneurs, executives, and entertainers. And then speaking of Spotify... The audio giant is in talks to test full-length music videos on its app. The video feature would escalate its competition with YouTube and TikTok. The company now seeking music videos that it can include in its app. So video may be the new frontier for Spotify. And then singer Shania Twain, she had a little fall this weekend, but quickly bounced back. This was while singing Don't Be Stupid. Shania Twain had a little moment there during her concert in Chicago Saturday night where she tripped and fell on her backside but made a quick recovery, finished strong. The country pop icon was in the Windy City for the latest stop of her Queen of Me tour. Well, this was a pretty scary sight, a pretty scary story, just period. If you're an amusement park fan, it's especially something you might take notice of. Many in the summertime are going to go check out something that might have a roller coaster on site. Well, a popular roller coaster at a North Carolina amusement park has been shut down after a crack was discovered in a steel support beam. And if you've seen it on social media already, you know this is a serious crack. This is not just a little hairline fracture. Officials at Carowinds in Raleigh made the announcement regarding this Fury 325 attraction that it's been shut down. A visitor's photos posted to social media show the shack was crack, I should say, was visible nearly a week ago. And then on Friday, a pillar was fully severed as they closed the ride for inspection. In an email Sunday, the park noted the ride will stay closed until further repairs are finished. Well, wildfire smoke last month made for some apocalyptic images around the tri-state and certainly here in Manhattan with the orange sky and the uh, campfire smell and all that kind of stuff, you'd be forgiven for wondering if there was some sort of plague that was kind of upon us. Well, don't look now, but last week there was all kinds of swarms of bugs here in New York, even up in Westchester and then in Brooklyn, parts of Manhattan, people just kind of getting mouthfuls of gnats everywhere. They can be red, green, yellow, or black. The aphid bugs are small and can swarm around you for anywhere from a few days to a week, but are not considered to be a huge health risk. That according to a spokeswoman for the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. The warm temperatures and high humidity are probably why the bugs are attacking New York now instead of after the summer when they can usually be found. 
For 77 WABC News, I'm Yao Bonsu. And that humidity is not going away anytime soon, so chances are those swarms of bugs may be a concern here as well. It's James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC News Hour. It's 5.45 here on Monday, July 3rd. Time to check in on sports. And according to ESPN, the Knicks are finalizing a trade for recently drafted forward Obi Toppin. They'll be sending him to the Indiana Pacers for two future second-round picks. It was in the 2020 NBA draft when the 25-year-old Toppin was taken eighth overall. And last season, he did average 7.4 points and 2.8 rebounds per game, but really not a big-time part of the rotation for Tom Thibodeau. And apparently he and Tibbs kind of got into it last year uh, during the series with the Miami Heat, and that may have been Toppin complaining about his playing time, as a matter of fact. So he's off to Indiana. That can be made official on Thursday. In baseball, the Mets beat the Giants yesterday 8-4, to actually winning a series for once. That's a nice change for you Mets fans out there. Pete Alonso made the All-Star team as a reserve, and he will also compete in the Home Run Derby, which, of course, he's won in the past. The Yankees fell to the St. Louis Cardinals 5-1. to Aaron Boone tossed for the fifth time this season. But some good news for the Yankees as Carlos Rodon is making his way back from injury, and the left-hander who signed as a free agent this past offseason may be ready to make the first start of the season coming up on Friday. Go to WABCSportsRadio.com for more of our sports headlines, including how chicken parm helped turn around Anthony Volpe's story. How did a sandwich help the Yankees' rookies swing? Well, you'll just have to go to WABCSportsRadio.com to get more. Back here in the Tri-State, like we said, we're dealing with all kinds of stuff here. We're dealing with bugs, swarms of bugs, wildfire smoke, humidity, It's just not that nice outside. Although it is summertime, and tomorrow's July 4th, so chances are maybe you have some time off from work, and it's a good time to kind of, you know, enjoy time with friends and family, all that kind of stuff. Well, if you're traveling, or if you were traveling over the past week, it was anything but relaxing. Very, very stressful, as a matter of fact. And there was all kinds of flights delayed, canceled. Matter of fact, one of the hardest-hit areas was here in the tri-state, JFK, LaGuardia, Newark, up in Boston. You had a lot of chaos out in Chicago, O'Hare. You know, they had uh, a lot of delayed flights. And weather was an issue, for sure. We had stormy weather going back to last Sunday here in New York. But also, FAA crew shortages are a problem for these area airports. Not enough FAA crews. There's also uh, air traffic controller shortages, and then I, I, you know, I'm pretty sure that the airlines themselves are dealing with all kinds of shortages and, and maybe just not enough employees. And a lot of this is because the industry was so messed up by COVID. Now, the airline industry is very hit or miss anyway, right? Fuel is very expensive. Um, it, it, it's not plausible almost for them to charge as much money as it really should take to move people from point A to point B. And once upon a time, flying and and jet travel was kind of more of a luxury. Now people take it for granted. But I don't think this is going to get any better anytime soon, because even if you're going to talk about the ability to hire some more workers, maybe, and kind of bounce back from that COVID trouble, one of the biggest concerns for air travel, and it's really similar to what New York is dealing with on the real estate side, is how much the business world has changed. Right? You went through COVID. You had the Zoom meetings. You you had your Slack calls, FaceTime, whatever it may be, getting around the inability to see people in person. Business travel has been devastated by this. You know, the, the person who would take a flight from L.A. to New York or New York to Chicago or whatever it may be on a Thursday into a Friday and then fly back on Saturday morning, those flights are not very common anymore. And I don't think they're going to be in common. You know, it's it's one of those things where you're talking about uh, just the way things have changed. Coming up on 5.50 here, 77 WABC's 5 a.m. news hour. This is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. So we said airlines are continuing to deal with some issues here after last week's pure chaos at airports around the New York City area. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, he seems to think that flights are about to be getting back to normal following the holiday weekend. He was on CNN State of the Union this weekend. We saw the most air passengers, uh, not only since COVID, but we think ever. And we saw cancellation rates and delay rates below 3%. 
Buttigieg, saying there still may be some bad weather lingering out there. But he says air travel's much improved from last year, which saw many flights delayed or canceled despite clear weather. And in terms of aircraft, SpaceX is launching a successful launch for the European Space Agency. Five, four, three, two, one. A Falcon 9 rocket carrying the Euclid Space Telescope blasted off from Cape Canaveral on Saturday for ESA's Dark Universe mission. It was originally scheduled to launch aboard a Russian rocket, but the war in Ukraine prompted a change of plans. The telescope is designed to collect data in both visible and infrared light, peering back as far as 10 billion light years. But we told you the airline industry wants to move past COVID. New York officials are also looking to do the same thing. Who isn't, right? Well, maybe some people, you still see the masks and all that kind of stuff. But, hey, it could also be for wildfire smoke. Prepare to say bye-bye to the Excelsior Pass app. New York officials say the app has barely been used since 2021, but it is still costing $200,000 a month to maintain. The app was supposed to be updated to store other forms of ID, but that didn't happen. And now the app will be decommissioned by July 28th. However, you will still be able to access your information. For 77 WABC News, I'm Yao Bonsu. And repeating one of the stories that we did earlier, New York City is hoping that UPS can avoid a strike in terms of all its package deliveries. And New Yorkers are also hoping that package thefts can be eliminated or at least cut down. That's what New York City officials are looking to achieve, as well as eliminating or reducing the number of trucks making their way through the five boroughs. The Department of Transportation is launching a pilot program which will place lockers at 15 locations across the city, giving customers 24-7 access to the lockboxes. DOT Commissioner Idanis Rodriguez says the number of at-home deliveries have surged in recent years, with 80% of households receiving at least one package a week. He says all locker areas will be equipped with two security cameras, LED lights, and anti-theft mechanisms on each compartment. These lockers can be used by any delivery carrier and are expected to reduce delivery times by as much as 78%. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. And one of the stories from last week that we spent some time on is the fact that congestion pricing has gotten federal approval here in New York. The Federal Highway Administration giving the MTA the go-ahead for congestion pricing, which could go into effect as soon as next spring. Uh, Congestion pricing theoretically hopes to cut down on trucks driving through, let's say, Manhattan, uh, really hopefully maybe cuts down on emissions here around the tri-state. But not everybody's convinced of that. Some opponents I've seen on Twitter have talked about how congestion pricing is basically just going to move trucks from Manhattan to the outer boroughs. So Bronx, Staten Island, they may see more of these tractor trailers kind of bypassing the downtown area and going out into the outer boroughs. So there's a lot of people that have complained some of that emissions concern, some of that lower air quality is just getting pushed out, more or less. You know, there was a, a move or an idea some years ago to make it so that only nighttime deliveries could be happening in New York. And, you know, that was floated before congestion pricing kind of became the big talking point. You don't hear as much about that now. Um, but, you know, as far as what's going to happen with congestion pricing, we do hear that New Jersey officials are really going to be pushing hard to try to get their residents exempt considering the money that's already spent on the Holland and Lincoln. Over the weekend, the DeSantis campaign, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, found itself dealing with some controversy after one of its staffers sent out a tweet kind of talking about how President Trump has been more or less a pro-pride president or that he's a candidate associated with being pro-pride. A lot of people didn't necessarily like that message. Uh, Some people said it was homophobic that that tweet was sent. And it's not the only thing that the DeSantis campaign is dealing with. Apparently, their numbers are slipping in a key primary state. A new poll from St. Anselm's College has the Florida governor at 19% among New Hampshire GOP primary voters, a drop of 10 points from March. Former President Donald Trump, meanwhile, is polling at 47%. DeSantis' campaign made a widely criticized blunder in the state when they scheduled an event at the same time as a notable fundraiser featuring Trump. An underperformance in the Granite State could spell the end for DeSantis. Many previous GOP nominees in open primaries, like Reagan, Bush 41, McCain, Romney, and Trump himself, rallied from losses in Iowa, the first primary state, with a win in New Hampshire. 
Danny DiCrescenzo for 77 WABC News. And speaking of former President Trump, he's spending his summer at his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, but kicked off Fourth of July celebrations with a visit to South Carolina. Thousands gathered to hear him deliver remarks in Pickens on Saturday, and that was despite temperatures getting up into the 90s. We told you about all those heat warnings up in the southern states. That event marked Trump's second largest rally so far of the 2024 campaign. Well, we mentioned that the DeSantis campaign got into some problems on Twitter. And if you use Twitter, you may have seen this. Rate limit issues. If you opened the app this weekend and you were trying to read Twitter and you couldn't figure out why it was uh, having some issues loading or something like that, rate limit. That's what... It was all about, and it's all part of Twitter continuing to make tweaks to the platform. Making the announcement via Twitter, Chairman Elon Musk says that the site is limiting the number of posts users can read per day. Musk says that the new restrictions are an effort to decrease system manipulation. With the changes, verified users are able to read 6,000 tweets a day, while unverified accounts can only read 600. Twitter founder Jack Dorsey shared his support for the changes via tweet, and says that he hopes to see the platform thrive. Musk maintains that the changes made will improve the overall user experience. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. Musk explaining that these rate limits are basically part of addressing extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation. Now, if you don't necessarily know what that means, I'm kind of there with you, but I understand that data scraping has a lot to do with people's information and what they search, what they look at, how much, you know, things they're into are helping drive what advertisers see and how they want to sell those trends and uh, digital advertising. That has a lot to do with it. So basically this puts a limit on the number of accounts you can see or the tweets that you can see as well. So former Twitter CEO and founder Jack Dorsey, he tweeted on Saturday, running Twitter's hard, and he adds it's easy to critique decisions from afar and that he's guilty of doing that but that he knows the goal is to see Twitter thrive, and he adds that it will. Coming up on 559 here this morning on Monday, July 3rd, I'm James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden. So, no surprise here, Americans really love their fireworks. Although, if you saw the tweet that I did this morning from hospital x-rays in emergency rooms concerning July 4th and fireworks, you might not love them as much. An industry group projects sales of fireworks will top $2.4 billion in the U.S. this year. The American Pyrotechnics Association says consumer firework retailers expect sales to increase by $100 million from last year. However, you're being urged to only buy legal fireworks and be wary of safety. FDNY Commissioner Laura Cavanaugh, she'd like to spread that same message. As exciting and fun as, as fireworks can be, they really do need to be left to the professionals. Every year we see incredibly serious injuries to civilians, particularly children suffering terrible injuries. Well, the first supermoon of the year lights up tonight, ahead of those July 4th holiday fireworks tomorrow. That supermoon coming up, it's what astronomers call a full moon that coincides with the moon being closest to Earth. July's full moon, big on nicknames. It's also called the Thunder Moon, Buck Moon, Berry Moon, Salmon Moon, and Halfway Summer Moon. Didn't know any of that. All right, WABC News Time, 6 o'clock. I'm James Flippin here filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC News Hour. We'll see you next time.